Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Hey everybody, my name's Luke and I'm one of the ministers here at PCC and today we're starting a brand new sermon series called A Clearer Vision of Freedom and we're gonna be going through the book of Galatians. Now Galatians is a really short book, it's just six chapters, really quick, easy read so I'd encourage you that this month while we go through Galatians you just read through it once every week, Monday through Saturday and then we'll hear a message from Galatians on Sunday. And I just wanna start today by asking a question. Who gets to sit at Jesus's table? Now, in the church I grew up in, above the communion table, they had a picture of Jesus and his 12 disciples sitting around a table at the Last Supper. You see this picture here? Do you notice anything strange about this picture? Have you heard the one about when Jesus and his disciples walk into a restaurant? Waitress says, how many? Jesus says, party of 26, please. The waitress says, 26? I only see 13 of you. And Jesus says, yeah, but we all like to sit on the same side of the table. (laughs) Now, that's a bad joke. Don't laugh at that. But the point remains, who gets to sit at Jesus's table? That's the core question of our text today, Galatians chapters one and two. Who gets a seat at Jesus's table? Uh, This book of Galatians is actually a letter written by a guy named Paul to a church that he had planted in a place called Galatia, modern day Turkey. And Paul wrote a lot of letters to churches. We have several of them in our Bible. And with every single letter, Paul starts off positively. He greets the church and then he tells them something that he's thankful for about them. Hey, Romans, I'm thankful that everybody's hearing about your faith. Hey, Philippians, I'm grateful for your partnership. Hey, Colossians, I'm thankful for your love. In every single letter, except for this one, In Galatians, he just comes right out of the gate with guns blazing. And he says, hey, Galatians, what are you guys thinking? He's mad. Right here in Galatians chapter one, verses six and seven, Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So why is Paul mad? Because someone is perverting the gospel. People are being kept from God's table. So with our time together, I wanna look at the problem and then I wanna dive into the solution. But first, the problem. Well, Initially, the problem is from the very beginning that we all sinned, and so we lost our place at God's table. But thankfully, God put a plan in motion to save the world. God chose one nation to be his special people, the nation of Israel, the Jews. And and God said, hey, come on in. You guys have an RSVP. You're gonna be my family. And and for this chapter of history, I'm just inviting you. Everybody else's manners are so bad, I just gotta take it one family at a time. Here's what it takes to sit at my table. 
And so God gave the Jews some regulations, things like no working on the seventh day of the week, no marrying people from other nations. They had some food laws. They weren't allowed to eat things like pork or camels or rabbits or vultures or ravens or owls or ants or bears or lizards or weasels or rats or snakes or beetles. Not that you'd ever want to eat a beetle, but still. Oh, and also the males had to all get circumcised. I heard a story one time of a Catholic priest, a Christian preacher, and a Jewish rabbi who decided to have a contest to see who could hunt down a bear and convert it. And so they all go off on their adventures and they come back to swap stories. And the Catholic priest says, well, sure enough, I found a bear and I uh, read the catechism to him, sprinkled him with some holy water, and he's taking his first communion next week. Christian preacher said, well, yeah, I I also found a bear and I I read the gospel of John to him and that bear was just so mesmerized that we went down to the stream and there that bear got baptized right then and there. The Catholic priest and the Christian preacher both looked down at the Jewish rabbi and he's in a wheelchair, full body cast, he's all bandaged up and the rabbi mumbles, well, looking back, maybe I shouldn't have started with the circumcision. (laughs) And, And we laugh, but the Jews took this very, very seriously, because that was how they knew who was in God's family and who wasn't, who was in and who was out, who got to sit at the table and who didn't. But then all of a sudden, things changed, because Jesus comes, and Jesus invites everybody to sit at his table, Jews and Gentiles. Now, a Gentile is anybody who's not a Jew, so that's us, And Jesus says that the way we get an RSVP isn't by following the law, but actually it's just by trusting him. Uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Did you catch that? Whoever believes gets to sit at Jesus' table. All you have to do is believe and you get to be a part of this family. Now, let me introduce you to our uh, two main characters for the day, Peter and Paul. Uh, Peter and Paul were both true blue Jews, and later they became Christians, and they were leaders in the early church, and both of them were instrumental in bringing this teaching to the church, that you didn't have to become a Jew before you could follow Jesus and enter God's family. That's a radical new teaching, that the entrance requirement for God's dinner party is faith in Jesus Christ. Now, There were some people who didn't really like that idea. They were called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers said that in order to get into God's family, yes, you do need faith in Jesus, but you also have to become a good Jew. You have to follow the law, get circumcised, stay away from all those unclean foods. Now, I grew up hearing about the five-finger exercise for how to become a Christian. Some of you just learned about this in Equip You. Uh, Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Well, the Judaizers were adding a sixth finger. Uh, They said that in order to become a Christian, it was hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and get circumcised. Now, I think that would pretty much tend to kill our evangelism efforts, don't you? Uh, We're having a baptism Sunday here next week, and we're praying that many of you will decide to give your lives to Jesus. But my guess is that if we had a circumcision Sunday, we wouldn't have too many takers. And that's what's making Paul mad right here. Uh, Just look what happens here. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. 
He says, when Cephas, that's another name for Peter, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, Peter, in front of them all, you're a Jew and yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force the Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. It's coming through loud and clear here. Now here's what's happening. Peter, he's hanging out with all the Gentile Christians. They're eating together. They're having a great time. They're going over to each other's houses. They're praying, they're teaching, they're worshiping and they're eating a lot together. And let me tell you, Peter is eating well. Uh, sausage for breakfast, ham for lunch, bacon cheeseburgers for dinner. Mm-mm. Peter is saying, I'm so thankful that Jesus died on the cross. Taste and see that the Lord is good. But then the Judaizers came to town and Peter got scared. And he stopped eating with the Gentiles. No more sausage for breakfast. No more ham for lunch. He ain't even watching Kevin Bacon movies anymore because he's scared. He's afraid that these Judaizers are gonna see him hanging out with the Gentiles and eating with them and that they're gonna think that Peter's not really committed to Jesus. And so out of fear, Peter turns his back on his Gentile brothers and sisters and he starts treating them like second-class Christians. And this makes Paul mad. And right here, we have one of the most intense moments in the entire New Testament. Two apostles going toe to toe and the very core of the gospel itself, the good news is at stake. Who gets to sit at Jesus's table? And Peter, by his actions, is saying, well, actually, those of us who follow the law, we're the real Christians. In other words, you don't get to sit here. But he was wrong. And Galatians is Paul's answer. That Jesus died so that we could join God's family by faith, not by the law. That you get a seat at Jesus' table by faith in him. Period. End of sentence. And of course, Peter believed this. He had preached that same truth lots of times before. But you see... The problem wasn't with Peter's words. The problem wasn't even with Peter's belief. The problem was with Peter's behavior. You see, Peter knew the truth. He just didn't live it. It's like Paul said in verse 14 that we read earlier, they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Peter's actions said that if you want a seat at Jesus's table, you had to follow some rules first. It's called legalism. And it made Paul mad. 
And it made Jesus mad too. In fact, Jesus saved his harshest words for the religious elite who kept people away from God's table by enforcing their man-made regulations. There's a preacher by the name of Aaron Chambers who wrote a book about the kinds of people that Jesus ate with. And in this book, he tells a story of a young sailor who just got back from a six-month tour in Iraq with the Navy. And when this young sailor got home, he was so excited to go to church and finally get to praise God again with other believers. And he actually had a lot to be thankful for because just three months into his tour, he'd actually fallen off the side of the ship and it fell into the ocean, but he'd been rescued. And so when this sailor got home, he was excited to go to church. Of course, he'd just been in a uniform for six months, so he was pretty tired of that. And uh, he put on a polo and some nice shorts and some sandals, and he went to go to a nearby church. But he wasn't from around there, and he didn't really know his way around very well. So by the time he got to church, he was a little late. The songs had already started by the time he got into the building. And so he just found the closest seat he could there on the back row, sitting right next to a well-dressed older couple. And then, during a break in the singing, the lady next to him leaned over and whispered, next time you come to our church, you need to dress more appropriately. In other words, you can't sit here. And the young sailor sat there stunned, no longer filled with joy. Instead, tears welled up in his eyes. And after a few minutes, he leaned over and whispered politely, there won't be a next time. He left the service and he went back to his ship brokenhearted. And church, it is my prayer that may that never happen here. And yet, to be honest with you, it breaks my heart to know that it has happened here, even within the last couple of years. But instead of pointing the finger right now, if, if you're anything like me, we gotta take a good hard look inside at our own hearts. And when I do, I find more legalism in here than I'd like to admit. And if I'm not careful without even meaning to, I can think really judgmentally of some other people. Ah, real Christian wouldn't dress like that, talk like that, drink that, listen, listen to that, drive a car like that, go, go to that place, let their kids go to that place, live in a house like that. In other words, I, I don't think they can sit here. Now hear me, we are called to make wise, holy, Christ-honoring decisions. We are called to do good works. And when God saves us, we are called to obey the law that he writes on our hearts and that he gives us in his word. However, we are not called to make extra rules and requirements for entrance into God's family. And we're never allowed to treat our brothers and sisters like second-class Christians. And listen, when Peter made that mistake, he probably had good intentions. I don't think Peter intended to cause division in the church or perversion of the gospel. And I think most of us have good intentions too. I love this church. I love Plainfield Christian Church. This is home for me and for my family. And I have learned so much about Jesus from you all because I see the way that you live. And I know that this is a church full of people who love God and love people. And yet I also know that we're human, which means that we all still have room to grow 
in how we view other people. And that even though it might not be our intention, if we're not careful, sometimes we can still start to rank each other and sow seeds of division if we're not vigilant in guarding the gospel. Maybe it can happen when we look at the folks in the other worship venue, in the sanctuary or in the fellowship center. Of course, we, we never say it to those people, but maybe to our spouse in the car on the way home or, or even just inside our own head, we might look down on them just a little bit. Oh, it's like a concert over there. They just want to be entertained. Oh, they're stuck in their ways. They don't, they don't really care about reaching the lost. I wish they'd just come along and liven up a little bit. I wish they'd show a little more reverence. In other words, I don't think you can sit here. And we start to rank people. I don't know, maybe, maybe we look around at other congregations and other churches and, and certainly we wouldn't say that they're bad people. We wouldn't be mean to them. We wouldn't say that they're not going to heaven. But maybe there's a spirit down deep inside us somewhere that thinks, well, well we're the real Christians. We are the ones really sitting at the table. And listen, church, again, it's real easy to point the finger at other people when we're talking about legalism, but you remember the saying that every one time I point a finger at you, I got three fingers pointing right back at me. And I think that if we look deep down inside, every one of us has lingering preferences in our hearts that if we're not careful, they can really quickly turn into rules, obligations, idols, barriers to the table. So who gets a seat at Jesus's table? What's the solution? Let's take a look. I I think we have to remember which of us is good enough to get a seat at Jesus's table? Well, none of us. But the amazing thing is that God has welcomed us anyway. You know, the most persistent accusation against Jesus during his ministry was, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus had a reputation for sitting at the table with scoundrels. And that's what he's done for us. You see, we did not live up to the law. We could not hurdle the obstacles or meet the entrance requirements for God's family. And yet Jesus himself came down and he met them all perfectly. And he died, taking the curse that we deserved. And so now, when we put our trust in him, he saves us a seat at his table. Which means that at this table, none of us deserve to be here. So we have no right to judge each other. This means that we don't rank each other by skin color or zip code or gender or education or worship style or salary or Christian service or Bible knowledge or political party or personal history or any other kind of earthly litmus test because we are all just beggars at the door of God's mercy. You know, this is amazing to me that Paul was a Jewish man and as a Jewish man, Paul would have said the prayer that all Jewish men still say every day. God, thank you for not making me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. 
And Paul went from praying that prayer to all of a sudden saying in Galatians chapter three, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That means that everyone who believes in Jesus can have a seat at this table. There's no distinction. There's no such thing as a second-class Christian. That's who gets a seat at Jesus' table. There's freedom for all. So let's not make the same mistake that Peter did. We gotta live in line with the gospel. And in order to make that happen, I think we need to make our question a little bit more specific. Who gets a seat at your table? This is my dining room table. I brought it here. And I think that if we are going to behave like we believe, then we have to be welcoming people who are different than us into our lives. So let's ask some questions. Who might you be avoiding to try to protect your image? Who's different from you that you could love? Who might damage your reputation a little bit if you hung out with them? Who do you harbor some lingering prejudice against? Who is someone that you've judged that maybe instead you could build a relationship with? Who gets a seat at your table? And I've been blessed to get to see people get a seat at the table. I have seen this gospel in action growing up when I watched my mom. My mom had a friend named Helen, and as a little kid, I didn't know much about Helen. I just knew that uh, she talked kind of funny and she wore too much makeup and that the government took her kids away. And yet, my mom didn't treat Helen like a second-class person. She loved Helen, talked to her on the phone, gave her rides, took her to church. And I, I have seen this gospel in action at our previous church, when a lady named Misty came walking in the door with her three little girls, and we weren't really sure who the fathers of those girls were. All we knew was that they had lice and they weren't well taken care of. But my wife, Rebecca, she didn't shy away. She loved those girls. and She invited the wildest one to come sit with us in church, and she treated her like a princess. And I have seen this gospel in action when I have watched some of you bridge the gap. When you have joined home groups with people in a different generation than you, when you have served with people from a different background than you, when you have maybe even attended a worship service that is uncomfortable for you because you believe in unity. And I have seen this gospel in action with my wife's grandpa, Bud Betts was his name. Now, Bud Betts was a man's man. He was an Army veteran. He was an aerospace engineer who worked on the Apollo program, later on the space shuttle. He's a small-town Kansas farmer with hands like sandpaper and an iron grip. And, and Bud was an elder in the church. He taught Sunday school for over 50 years. But like many people of his generation, Bud struggled with prejudice he grew up in a different day and age and he still harbored some of the racism that he was exposed to growing up. 
But then one of Rebecca's cousins named Cassidy started dating a friend of mine named Craig. Now, Craig, he's an amazing guy. He's a gifted basketball player. He's tall. He's got a a soft smile and a deep, deep love for Jesus, training for ministry, and, and Craig is black. And so when Craig started to date Cassidy, it was hard for Bud. In fact, Bud was completely against it, and he let that be known. Bud's 90th birthday party was coming up on the calendar, and Cassidy wanted Craig to come, but Bud said no. But then late one night, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let Bud sleep. And as Bud lay there in bed awake, God began to do a work on his heart. And Bud remembered all of those scriptures that he had spent his life teaching, and he was convicted. And so the day the party came, and sure enough, Craig was there. And honestly, I wasn't sure how it was going to go because Bud could be a pretty tough guy. And to be honest, I was just kind of nervous. But then I watched as Bud Betts put the gospel into action. And he walked up to my friend Craig and he stuck out his hand. He said, son, you're always welcome in this family. So let me ask you again. Who gets a seat at your table? If you're a member of the family of God, we're gonna take communion now, which is the time where we come to the table together every week to celebrate and remember the death of Jesus Christ, which is the only way any of us get to sit around his table. And I hope you take communion and you remember that. And as you do, after the service, I'd encourage you to invite somebody else to your table. I'd encourage you to talk together today as a family about who you could invite over for dinner when this quarantine is over. Make it somebody you wouldn't normally invite, somebody different than you, somebody you wouldn't normally build a relationship with. And give them a seat at your table. I also think you should eat some bacon just to celebrate that the way we get to this table is by faith in Jesus and that's it. (laughs) And if you're not yet a member of the family of God, you can become one today. All you need to do is trust Jesus Christ who came and who died for you and who rose again from the dead so that you could have a spot here at his table. If you're interested in following Jesus, I'd encourage you, you can always go to mypcc.info, tap on the baptism card right there, and we would love to have a conversation with you about how to follow him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for welcoming us into your family. Jesus, thank you for coming and living the life that we couldn't live and dying the death that we deserved so that we could have a spot at your table. And God, there are still some lingering things in our hearts, some walls and barriers that need to be broken down. But in the same way that you have invited us to know you and be with you and live and dine forever with you, we want to share that love with others. So weed out any sin that remains and help us to love others in the way that you have loved us. You are so good, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.